1: What is up, everybody? Thank you for hanging out, waiting for us uh, as we've kind of put the finishing touches on the coverage here from Highmark Stadium. The Buffalo Bills season ends in disappointing fashion once again in the divisional round for the third straight season, 27 to 24, losing to the Kansas City Chiefs uh, in, in disappointing fashion in a game that I felt like they had opportunities to win. Uh, we'll get into all of that uh, on the podcast. We're brought to you, as always, by Tops Friendly Markets. Uh, get the Tops Markets mobile app today and help yourself uh, out with a great shopping experience. Um, select your preferred store, browse and shop the weekly ad uh, or by specific department. Easily locate products at your preferred store with the built in aisle directory and enjoy contactless shopping with Tops Grocery Pickup or Delivery Services. Check out slash mobile app four more and obviously that's not where everybody wants to start they want to start at what actually happened in this game that led to the bills losing a game that bills fans have been waiting for for four years right? Like yeah. since the AFC title game in 2020, when they lost an arrowhead in the, in the image of Stefan Diggs watching them celebrate, this was the goal to get the chiefs in the playoffs to high Mark stadium. This place was rocking tonight, Ryan. Like I, I don't think it had anything to do with the 12th man uh bills mafia in the stands. It had to do with a defense that couldn't get stops. We're going to get into the different parts of that over the course of this show and an offense that, kind of got figured out down the stretch. And I I don't know if Joe Brady had enough answers for what Steve Spagnola did to, to kind of halt the success they had in the first half of the run game. And then down the stretch, we're going to get into this as well, a very potentially controversial, you know, uh, you know, topic is like Josh Allen and the bills offense had first and 10 from the Kansas city 27 with two minutes and 43 seconds left on the clock. And they come away with no points. We'll get into the responsible parties for that, but it just can't happen if you want to win a playoff game against a two-time Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs.
0: Yeah, no, that's well said, Matt. They had their opportunities in this matchup. They had an opportunity late to strike to get a score. Uh, Josh Allen probably throws a touchdown if he's not hit by Deion Dawkins and Chris Jones, but you still leave a lot of time on the clock uh, for Kansas City. So there's arguments that can be had in terms of was that the right read? You had Stefan Diggs open on that play as well underneath um you know a lot of decisions that uh late in the game that did not go well for the bills but as we sit here now a few hours after the outcome of the game that obviously was not the reason why they lost there's a lot of reasons why they lost this game in all three phases of it and there's a lot to unpack here tonight matt
1: There is. And, you know, we'll start with, you know, the special teams, you know, Sean McDermott said that the Bills put Sam Martin through a lot of work this week. Uh, Didn't look like he was 100 percent, but honestly, like probably a better option than uh, Matt Hawk anyway. I mean, there's a reason why he didn't have a job in the league. And, you know, you're coming into a game here where, you know, the the Bills didn't really have to punt a ton in this game. I thought their offense really controlled the clock. I was impressed with the first half, with the way that they played. They drive the ball down, needing a score late in the game. That drive goes for, let me pull it up here. Um, that, that final drive went for six minutes and 40 seconds. So the Bills, uh, with about eight minutes to play in the game, you know, stretch out the clock and have a drive where they they they're knocking on the doorstep of the red zone. Uh for like I mentioned, first and ten. Uh the three plays don't go their way, and it sets up a Tyler Bass field goal. Tyler Bass misses the game tying field goal, giving the Chiefs the ball. And the Bills have blown a timeout earlier in the half. So they were down by two. Wouldn't have mattered anyway, because the run game for the Chiefs got going in the second half and they couldn't stop Isaiah Pacheco. He runs two times, first down, game over. How much of the blame do you put on Tyler Bass?
0: I mean, you put a decent amount on him, uh, the fair amount. It's a 44-yard field goal. I know that in Buffalo you have to prepare for the winds, uh, prepare for the weather. But this is a kicker that has not been very good this year. Uh, and we've talked about that on the show. He was someone that was making 87% of the kicks the last two years. He was down to 78 at one point this season, was able to get up to about 82 Uh, But when the Bills needed him most, his field goal attempt was not even close to going through the uprights, and that's the frustrating part. You need your kicker to come up uh, in a moment like that when when the team needed you, when that drive stalls out to at least, you know, hopefully live for another day if you're the Bills. The defense was starting to kind of figure things out, get some stops, maybe force an overtime, and I know for for Bills fans, the overtime has not been – Uh, much success for Josh Allen and this team. Obviously Allen never winning an overtime game, but Bass deserves his fair share of credit. But at the same time, I mean, we can look at the defensive woes of this team. We can look at the players that are supposed to be playmakers on this team, not making plays. There's a fair share to go around, Matt.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think, You start with Bass in the sense that you got to make that field goal. It's a makeable field goal. It's one where, you know, we kind of talked about this going into the game. Like, where was our confidence meter on Tyler Bass? And you listen, for a guy that just signed a contract extension, I don't know if the end to his season and the way that things have gone for him down the stretch gives you the kind of confidence that all right, I'm going into next season no matter what. I mean, Sean McDermott said he's confident in Tyler Bass, but I think you might have to even consider bringing in some competition for him next year. That's the kind of spot you're in me. To miss a field goal, a chip shot like that in a gotta-have-it moment, you're right. Like, There's got to be a decent amount. Now, Tyler Bass wore it all after the game and said, this is all my fault. I disagree. I don't think it's all his fault. I I think this is a Kansas City offense that's flawed. And to have Travis Kelsey in this game, go for two touchdowns in a season where he hasn't had multiple touchdowns in a game, in any game of the first 18 he played before that. And you know, I mean, this team, Sean McDermott, this defense knows that Travis Kelsey is priority number one. I know we talked about Rasheed Rice, Pacheco. You got to stop Travis Kelsey in this game. You know that when the chips – are all on the table. Patrick Mahomes is going to go to the guy that he relies upon the most over the course of his career, the guy they were willing to move on from Tyreek Hill to lean into in their offense, and you let him on that first touchdown go basically uncovered, and I get it. He found a soft spot in the zone. They didn't react in time, but you have to be prepared for that. Like, Sean McDermott deserves an equal share of the fault here. Um, I'll let you react to that, and then I want to get into something else.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. Travis Kelsey is that first player that you're supposed to be trying to stop. Obviously not named Patrick Mahomes because he's your top priority, but Kelsey just running free down the field on that initial touchdown. This is a team that doesn't usually have blown assignments or blown coverages, and yet Kelsey, their their top weapon was just wide open on that play. The second touchdown, obviously a, a short, quick pass. Uh, tackling could have been a little bit better in that scenario, but that was a tougher one to stop. The bills though, did not take out the the top player they needed to. And I get it. You had AJ Klein trying to cover at times. You were decimated by injuries at linebacker. You were, you you were hurt in the secondary. It was apparent that Russell Douglas was not at hundred percent the way that he was running out there tonight, but you had a full week to prepare for this chiefs team or, six days considering the bills played on Monday against Pittsburgh and you know this team well and Sean McDermott for as much credit as he deserves for the way he coaches in big games against the Dolphins and how he showed up and stopped the Dallas Cowboys who had a really good offense this year and some of these other teams when it comes to the Chiefs he just has not been able to come up with a good enough game plan when it matters most in the postseason
1: some of it might be a little hubris on Sean McDermott's part uh for why the chiefs offense had some of the success it had especially in the run game i'm looking at this stat from next gen they went 13 personnel on 11 plays uh in this game over what is the bills nickel heavy defense gaining 95 yards on those 11 plays with a 63.6 percent success rate that's the highest 13 personnel usage the chiefs has had since 2016 now um they, that was 23.4% of their plays. They ran at 24% of their plays last week against the Miami Dolphins. So this is something that was on tape, and the Bills didn't adjust to that. And allow, And, and I, I was talking to Daquan Jones at his locker, and I'll get to what he said a little bit later in the show. But he, he talked about the fact that, of course, we're going to talk about the pass rush, and that didn't work. But in the second half, it just felt like, they weren't in a position up front. Like they were getting to the ball carrier either a little bit too late or when they were getting there, they weren't tackling. Guys were kind of bouncing off, making plays. Like we saw Patrick Mahomes making the first half when there was a couple would-be sacks that he just miraculously was able to get out of. And then you're going to deal with that with Patrick Mahomes. But I think if if we're divvying up like the fault in this game, like, you know, Sean McDermott being the defensive coordinator, he's got to wear some of that. To me, one of the people that, is is maybe most on the hot seat right now for me is Eric Washington and this goes back to the last two playoff exits we talked about it after the Cincinnati game to have your defensive line come into this game and have this little impact with the resources that's been spent there somebody's got to answer for it and to me that's Eric Washington it's the I feel like we're it's groundhog day we're we're right back after where we were last year in this stadium talking about the same exact thing Ryan did you know that Ed Oliver didn't have a single pressure in this game today. It's the first time in a game he hasn't had a single pressure since 2021 over three seasons ago, or about three seasons ago. That is unbelievable, bewildering. I know it's a really good interior offensive line, but in the biggest moment for Ed Oliver to disappear like that, I mean, that's the difference in the game.
0: And I did know this because I'm a shout insider, and I got that text from you, Matt, pre-show. So, yes, I was aware about Ed Oliver, and I'm right there with you on Eric Washington. Only Matthew Smiley should have a hotter seat than Eric Washington uh, at the end of this season. This defensive line was the one unit that was healthy for Buffalo going into this game. And, you know, Von Miller, he's came out said he was back. He was feeling right. He did make a one or two plays to his Uh, Credit but you look at The outside edge there was pretty much Nothing from Leonard Floyd Uh, Greg Rousseau did get some pressure On the outside once on uh, Patrick Mahomes but It was pretty quiet night AJ Appanessa And then on the interior The defensive tackles didn't have much To show tonight they they were uh, Getting run on they couldn't get any Interior pressure they couldn't get any Pressure from the outside when they tried to send Blitzes that wasn't working So Sean McDermott absolutely deserves a a big chunk of this blame. The play of the actual defensive linemen, they deserve a good portion of the blame for this game. But Eric Washington, too, because he is supposed to have these guys coached up and ready. And I know how special Patrick Mahomes is in terms of uh, his maneuverability, the way that he can uh, escape within the pocket, uh, get away from pressure, but they no-showed in the biggest game of the season.
1: Got a uh, super chat here from Justin to start the show. Diggs against Kansas City, 19 targets, 45 yards this year. Kincaid and Shakir looked dangerous. Diggs didn't. Another D line, no show in the playoffs against Kansas City. And I think that's well said. And I feel like for Stefan Diggs, you know, the, this is such an ominous offseason because I feel like the Bills, with the data that they have, I mean, listen, we have a trend now. You know, he didn't have a 100 yard receiving game since week six. This isn't the same receiver. I'm not sitting here comfortable saying that he's fallen off a cliff and, um, you know, they're stuck with him next season because really they can't really move off of him unless they're willing to just eat that and completely reshape what this is going to look like. I I don't know if they would have to trade him and add um, draft capital to where you're just bringing in a brand new wide receiver room a la uh, Green Bay Packers. Um, I, I don't know what the numbers look like when they actually dealt Devontae Adams. I know they probably had to eat some of that, but that could be the the, the blueprint that you kind of see if you do want to move in a different dire- direction a- away from Diggs. Something's off with Stefan Diggs and this team. I, I, I don't know what it is. Um, it, it's felt strange, like going back to last offseason, everything that's kind of transpired, the the refusal of everybody uh, involved to talk about what led to the issues last off season. Um, And I think in this game, he had a chance to make a really good play and a really big play in a big spot. And that ball couldn't have been thrown any better than it was. And your $25 million receiver has to come down with that catch. And he did not And, you know, Trent Sherfield had two deep balls where he didn't make catches, but he's a, Fourth, fifth wide receiver, depth guy that was playing for an injured Gabriel Davis. And he was willing to answer questions after the game. Sat at his stool, uh, answer questions, and Stefan Diggs sat right next to him and let him kind of take the bullets. And Diggs refused interviews, five different requests for interviews to talk about what happened. And I'm not sitting here saying, you know, guys have to talk and you know everything like that. I just it's amazing. We hand out this media award every year. Uh, it, it's uh, the good guy award. Guys that talk to the media, uh, you know, they give insight all all season long, understand that, you know, we're this conduit between the players and the team and the fans. And wanting to know, understand a little bit more what happened in games, what, what players are going through, everything like that. And, you know, for Stefan Diggs, a captain in that spot not to talk, Von Miller to walk out before the locker room's even open, at, at Oliver, I get it. The frustration, same thing. Walked out before the locker room was even open. You know, I get it. They're in the same spot that they've been And You know, Ed Oliver kind of foreshadowed this a little bit the other day when he said, I've been here before. I told all these guys, you don't make plays. You're going to be on the couch. And you know, obviously Ed Oliver was one of those guys that didn't make plays and he didn't want to talk about it. And I get it. But like, there's a lot of people in that room that stood there and answered questions and, and, you know, Spencer Brown was sitting there at the end of the, and the night answering questions for like five minutes when, you know, most of the last, last the locker room was gone. Um, it's I don't I'm not trying to make this a media thing. I just I, I think that there is a there's there, there needs to be answers because this is the current construct of the way that this thing is put together. It hasn't worked. It's continually not to work. And now looking at this offseason with the Bills sitting at $50 million over the cap, as we look at a, another offseason that's, that's going to come with plenty of change for this team, we're left with way more questions than answers again.
0: You need leadership from your leaders. And the, and the Bills aren't necessarily, you know, we're not seeing that from some of these players in these losses. Like you said, the fact that Stefan Diggs didn't want to talk, Von Miller, uh, Ed Oliver hitting the, the doors quickly here. We talked for the last three or four weeks about how Allen and Diggs they're trying to connect deep down the field, and the connection was just off. But tonight, Josh Allen delivers a perfect strike to Stefan Diggs, and Diggs lets it go through his hands. It hits him on the shoulder. Uh, should have been a huge play for this offense, would have swung the momentum of the game back in Buffalo's favor, and he just came up short. And you talk about the one of the first plays of the game. He catches a ball, he fumbles it, uh, needs Dalton Kincaid to kind of knock it out of bounds. The big name players or the players that you should have been counting on didn't step up on both sides of the ball. But Stefan Diggs, he's your main wide receiver. He didn't look good, good tonight. He had his issues. It's been a whole issue, like you said, since about week five in this offense and his lack of productivity. You look at James Cook who had a massive first performance against Kansas City in the regular season. Uh, tonight was not so great. Average less than four yards per carry. He dropped another touchdown that was delivered right to him. And I know the Bills still scored a touchdown on that drive, but we're talking three, four, five touchdown receptions for uh, a guy that was supposed to be the, the top pass catching back in last year's draft uh, class. And You just can't have that. You need all of these scores. You need your players to step up. Ty Johnson outperformed him tonight as a runner. Uh, You need your big-time players to step up. And in all three phases, special teams, offense, defense, those big-time players failed to show up for the Buffalo Bills.
1: Uh, you're watching shout live, uh, about 400 watching on YouTube. Hit that like button, subscribe to the channel as well. It is going to be another jam packed off season. I know that no bills fans want to talk about that right now. They were hoping for, uh, another week of shows to preview, uh, AFC title game in Baltimore. That's not the case, but we'll have you covered right here on shout. Um, you know, one thing I want to talk about real quick, we'll get back to Josh Allen. I want to talk about this defensive line. You know, we'll talk about a bunch of different things is Josh Allen played a a great game tonight. Like, I'm going to say he played a great game tonight. I mean, look at his final numbers. He completed um, 67% of his passes, only 186 yards, but he went for 12 for 72, was the Bills' leading rusher on the ground, had two touchdowns on the ground, threw a touchdown, no interceptions. That touchdown pass to Khalil Shakir is about as clutch as you can get in a spot where, you know – not many quarterbacks are making that play. He had a he had a great game. But one thing, you know, I was left thinking about at the end of the game. Like if we're talking about divvying up the um the blame in this game, Josh Allen isn't ranking in the top 5 in terms of what I would blame for the loss. But I get to thinking in these spots like if the if the situations were first and it's a first and 10 from the Kansas City uh, or from the Buffalo 27 and Patrick Mahomes has the ball two two forty left. And you're what, what are you going to say? If I give you that scenario, Patrick Mahomes has the ball in a playoff game, right? What am I going to say? What, what's going to be the end result of that, of that drive?
0: Uh, I would assume a touchdown when it assume comes a to a touchdown, the right? That's yes. just what we've sure. come
1: to believe when it comes to Patrick Mahomes, because he's done it so much and it's led to super bowls. You needed Josh Allen to somehow figure out a way to score a touch on that drive. I'm not blaming him for this loss because honestly, I don't know if anybody on this team did more in this game outside of maybe Khalil Shakir to in this game for this team than the Bill for the Bills than Josh Allen. But you needed a score there. The defense is depleted. It's not an excuse, but you could see what losing all of those players meant for them in this game. They needed Josh Allen to rise above to have one of those legacy games. We talked about that legacy all week long. This was a legacy opportunity for Josh Allen in this game. And I don't know. I left his, his post game press conference thinking he felt that in the way that he didn't have answers for this. Like they, they had an opportunity. They had a chance there. They didn't get it done. One idea I had was, and again, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But in that 1st and 10 situation, knowing that if the Kansas City Chiefs get the ball back and you don't score or they get a field goal, you only have two timeouts left anyway, call a timeout somewhere in there and figure out a way to, all right, we're going to end this, this drive with points, preferably a touchdown. I don't know. I just would have thought it out a little bit more in that spot.
0: Yeah, and that comes down to coaching. That comes down to Sean McDermott. That comes down to your offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. Uh, And then Josh Allen obviously executing on the field. And, you know, someone in the comments here said Mahomes was going against a banged-up Bills defense while Josh Allen was going up against a top-five Chiefs defense. Chiefs did have some injuries to that defense as well, but it's a fair talking point. But when it comes to the way this this game ended, I, I get where you're coming from. I still think that Allen was the best player on the field tonight. Still, like you said, I agree with you, a great game. Um, the, the stat line looks a lot different. If Trent Shurfield catches one of those two deep balls, if not both of them, the stat line looks a lot different. If Stefan Diggs catches a ball that just went right through his hands that he should have come up with, uh, James, you know, like I said, James cook dropping the touchdown. That didn't really matter at the end of the day because they still scored a touchdown on that drive. But if other players around him had stepped up in the moment, We'd be sitting here talking about a completely different overall performance, overall stat line, uh, and, you know, maybe a different outcome as well. I I just feel like Josh Allen was let down by his coaching, uh, let down by the players around him, for the most part minus players like Khalil Shakir, like you mentioned, and Dalton Kincaid, who, when given the opportunities, both stepped up tonight. I just think in some games in sports, and I know – football is the
1: ultimate team sport like the elite players have to be elite the whole time right like if Michael Jordan doesn't make that shot over uh I think it was Brian Russell at the end of that game you know who knows maybe the Bulls don't win that championship right like you got to make the great plays all the way through like we talk about Josh Allen I've tweeted this Josh Allen is The guy in the NFL for me, he's the number one player in the NFL. If I started a draft today, I'm taking him first with the first overall pick. And so my point is on that drive, knowing the situation and knowing the fact that the defense is letting you down. Listen, I know that the defense wasn't that good tonight. We've talked about it already on the show, but I'm just saying in that moment, like when you, when you want to take it to the next, you just have to be the dagger at the end in that game. And they and he couldn't in that spot. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. I'm just saying, when we look back at this thing in 20 years, like, and y- you start putting up all of their accomplishments next to each other and, and all of the elite moments for, you know, you're not going to spend any time like, well, how good was Patrick Mahomes' defense that year? Or how good was Patrick Mahomes' defense that year? It's about what Mahomes did in the big games. And I, th- I just thought that was an opportunity lost Late in the game with a chance to win it, and and you didn't have it. Now, if we're talking about the totality of the game, sure, the defense, listen, we, we talked about it at the top of the show. There had to be a better plan for if the Bill if the Chiefs were gonna go heavy, if the Chiefs were gonna go back to throwing the ball to Travis Kelsey, of course. Like mm. this is a big part of the of the game, but down the stretch, I just I can't help but this having this feeling that that was an opportunity lost for Josh Allen to just ascend to that next level of like superstardom in sports, not just in football, in sports, like an iconic moment, knowing how bad the rest of the team was. Sherfield dropping right. passes, digs, dropping passes, the defense struggling. That was a chance to just, but it, it, it's hard to do that, especially in a team sport like football.
0: Yeah. I, so I get where you're coming from in terms of that moment that, that series, those plays that you'll always remember. I, I just, you know, like you said, there's so many reasons for this loss tonight, and Josh Allen would probably be last on my list, but they, they certainly did. Right.
1: I want to make sure yeah. that I'm making that no, clear. If I'm not, you doing a and good you job have, you have the difference between saying that he was a reason for the loss and like separating that from the point of there was an opportunity for just like an unforgettable all-time moment on that drive. You know what I mean? Right.
0: Yep. And I've seen it in the chat here a few times now, and uh, Emmanuel Acho said it after the game, uh, comparing Josh Allen to being Phillip Rivers instead of a Patrick Mahomes these top-tier Peyton Manning-type quarterbacks. You know, listen, this is not the case for Josh Allen. And Phillip Rivers was a great quarterback, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I also uh,
1: think that Emmanuel Acho tweet is stupid, but. Oh,
0: very stupid. And it's, it's right in his wheelhouse. It's his brand. It's what he does His calling card. Josh Allen has, I don't want to say overcome a lot with his Buffalo bills team, but you know, he was drafted to a team with the defensive head coach. Patrick Mahomes was drafted to a team with one of the greatest play callers of all time. And Andy Reid already there. And that's not to diminish what Patrick Mahomes has done. He's, uh, led that team to Super Bowls and helped them win those Super Bowls. But Allen's had to overcome, you know, different offensive coordinators, different systems, losing coaches for, for different gigs, and, and yet he still rises the occasion. He finishes with over 50 total touchdowns this season, including the postseason. Uh, comes up time and time again. And while you want him to event, you know, eventually get that moment and, and hoist a Lombardi trophy for, for Buffalo. It's a matter of a lot of other areas coming up short for the Bills tonight. Uh, you, you look at the special teams. If you're going to go for it in that situation where you try a fake punt, uh, I would rather have Josh Allen out there on the field. And I get what they were doing there. The Chiefs only had 10 men on the field for that punt or the fake punt attempt. I don't know why you're, you're putting it necessarily in DeMar Hamlin's hands. I, I didn't like the whole – Uh, play call as is. I know they were looking for certain things uh, or certain looks and they got it, but you can point to the special teams, Tyler Bass, the fact that they let Sam Martin punt tonight and you could clearly tell that he was going through it, clearly struggling uh, so he couldn't flip the field the way that he has. The defensive line no showing, the um, lack of linebackers stepping up and being able to play, or maybe the decision by Sean McDermott not to Turn away from AJ Klein a little bit earlier and give Dorian Williams some run or seeing Rasul Douglas really struggling out there. Um and, and not struggling because of his ability, but just health perspective, he wasn't running well. At that point, you almost have to consider giving Kyrie Elam a look. And I get it. Elam penal uh penalties, he's known for it, but he's also known for making some big plays uh when given the opportunity. And and the Bills just stayed with the status quo and they kept going back saying, hey, you know, we gave up a touchdown here, we gave up a touchdown here. Josh, you need to go out and do the same uh to a, a much better defense than you know what Patrick Mahomes had to face tonight.
1: What's up, everybody? Matt Perino here, one half of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. Here today to talk to you about prize picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than five million members. It is the most fun and exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favorite sports and players. You just pick more or less on two or more player stats for a shot to win up to 100 times your cash. Testing your skills on prize picks this playoff basketball season is the most simple way to get in on the action. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and submit your lineup. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes prize picks the number one fantasy sports app download the app today and use code shout s-h-o-u-t for a first deposit match up to $100 again download the app today and use code shout s-h-o-u-t for a first deposit match up to $100 pick more pick less it's that easy yeah I think the the next Thing that we should talk about is just like, what's the arc now for Sean McDermott? Because there is a underswell of frustration with him as the head coach, and you know, three straight years, the the season ending in the the divisional round. I mean, you're 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 in Philadelphia right now in year two. Nick Sirianni in year one goes to the Super Bowl. He loses in the wild card round the next year, and there's serious conversations being had about them moving on from him. And, you know, obviously Andy Reed uh, has dominated Sean McDermott in the playoffs. We know his arc in Philadelphia. Um, I'll start you off here and, and we'll kind of get into this conversation. What does, what does, what do the bills do with Sean McDermott? They give him this, this contract extension before the season. You know, they went through the adversity, the Tyler Dunn series, everything that happened with that, the way they rebounded from that, um, how the defense kind of came together, that was a big piece of it. But it's like the defense comes together only to destruct, you know, in the biggest spot at the end. So I guess what does that mean in the totality of this season? And and looking ahead and knowing that if you re-rack this thing for next year, and you figure that you bring back some players and get some guys back. You got to hope that Matt Milano is the same guy. You know, what do you do with Von Miller's all these question marks? Or do you pivot to a brand new coach? Do you even have the belief that Terry Pagula would do something like that, knowing his affinity for McDermott and Brandon I
0: I don't think there's any scenario where Terry Pagula does that this offseason after you know, seeing this team come back from six and six, win the division, claim the two seed win at least one playoff game. But at the same time, I think he should give it a serious hard look, Matt, because you just said it during, you know, your whole spiel there. This is a coach that has been outcoached by Andy Reed in the playoffs time and time again. You're not, in this business, to try to just win the AFC East year in and year out and win a wild card game, you're trying to win a Super Bowl ring, you're trying to hoist a Super Bowl trophy. And if your head coach cannot defeat another head coach that you nine times out of ten are probably going to run into in the playoffs, what are you doing? Why, you know, what is the decision making process there? Moving on from a McDermott is easier said than done, though, at the same point. You look at who's out there right now and, you know, could a Bill Belichick get the bills over the hump? Could a Jim Harbaugh, who's interviewing, uh, if he if he comes back to the NFL, could he get over the hump? You would think in both of those scenarios, yes, based on what they've done in their respective careers. Um, but again, is that a route that uh, Buffalo would go? Would they be willing to shell out big money for one of those two names? Um, Ben Johnson's a hot name in the coaching community, a young up and coming guy. Would you be willing to pivot to an offensive minded head coach? Because, you know, you look and you say, Hey, you have Josh Allen. I I would rather have an offensive minded head coach. That's going to put this guy in a good spot. That's going to be able to scheme guys open. Um, the bills really struggled in terms of just getting separation from the talent perspective of the guys they have on this roster and then the last part of it is, too, this roster is going to look a lot different next year. I, I'm, I am of the belief that the salary cap is partially a myth. There's ways around it. There's restructures. There are certain guys that you can cut with limited dead cap space. But there are guys they're locked into. And right now, they're locked into a Stefan Diggs. They're locked into a Von Miller. They're locked into a Tyler Bass uh, with his dead cap hit for a kicker. Uh, They're not guys that you would necessarily move on from. And you have aging players who have meant a lot to this team and Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. And um, you have a whole defensive tackle room that's not under contract this upcoming season, minus Ed Oliver. So there's so many things to address, so many needs to to kind of look at. It is a huge offseason for the Bills in terms of if you were ever going to pivot, you really should consider it now. But going back to the original part of your question, I just don't see Terry Pakula doing that.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, I don't see a scenario from a money perspective, knowing what a probably a contract extension, we don't know the exact numbers on McDermott, but he's probably over 10 million per season, right? Like, are they gonna eat potentially two seasons or three seasons, whatever the extension was for? I just don't see them doing that, especially with uh, a kind of interesting situation developing on the hockey side now with Don Granato struggling and what that could look like. So just from that perspective, and then to your other point, and this has been mentioned a couple of times in the chat, you make a move like this for a guy that, for whatever you want to say about Sean McDermott, he's been a winning coach, right? Like you, you could compare him to Marvin Lewis. You can compare him to Marty Schottenheimer. I'll tell you right now, you pull Buffalo Bills fans in 2016 and they take that I bet you 90% would take that if you were yeah. offering that as as an option. And listen, have they gotten close enough to a Super Bowl? Of course not. And, and that's going to continue to, and I'm not trying to make excuses here for Sean McDermott, but to make that pivot and that move, you have to have the definitive guy. Is it Jim Harbaugh? Is it a, a caliber guy like that that could come in and, you know, change the entire operation, help change, like, you know, be better in those late game situations? Like, you know, to me, you almost would have, Been a little bit forward thinking considering doing it last year after the Cincinnati game before you give the extension and hiring like a Sean Payton. Like that would be the kind of move that I would make. I'm with Harold, one of our uh, Pops Mafia. I can't foresee a circumstance where Bill Belichick is the Buffalo Bills head coach. Like (laughs) I cannot see after 20 years of torture at the hands of that guy, mostly Tom Brady, but you know, that regime to just flip the switch and and embrace him as the head coach and almost, I don't know, I, I, it would not fit for me. But again, I mean, who knows? And we'll see what happens with the Atlanta Falcons job. I, I think you have to have the definitive idea for who you're replacing him with if you were to were to go in another direction. But I do think draft, drastic changes are needed. And we could be, you know, a lot of people talk about Von Miller and Stefan Diggs being irreplaceable. Well, sometimes you might have to go with lower end young players that maybe aren't making any money. And it's sometimes subt- like addition by subtraction, just naturally like going in a different direction. Like look at what was Romeo Dobbs? Like what was a right. draft? What kind of draft pick was he? You No, know, Christian Watson was a second round draft pick. Uh, Jaden Reed, who I think was a third round draft pick. Like they just threw a bunch of young players at a position. They traded Devante, uh Adams um, and, and they went in a different direction and they've just, brought in a bunch of young players. They traded Aaron Rodgers. They brought in a bunch of young players. They're cap strapped. You just got to sometimes figure it out. And maybe that's the direction that you go in. And then you got to start asking yourself the question, do you have enough faith in the front office to hit on the players that you need to hit on? They still haven't hit on a, on a wide receiver big time. Like Gabe Davis has been mercurial. He's been a hot and cold up and down player at his best. He's been really good. And I will say, I'm going to backtrack off of my comments from during the week when I said that I I didn't think that the Bills would miss Gabe Davis in this game, they did. They missed him on the deep balls. If those balls go to Gabe Davis as opposed to Trent Sherfield, I think he's coming down with at least one of them and potentially changing the complexion of this game.
0: Yeah, um, they, they, missed, they him. Definitely missed him. Absolutely, they missed him. And uh, you know they're probably going to miss him next season too because. I don't think he's going to break the bank for for wide receiver. And, you know, we've seen the last few years in these wide receiver heavy draft classes, a lot of bigger name talent sits on the market longer than you'd think. They don't get the kind of contracts that they're anticipating. Uh, it's kind of what obviously has happened to the running back position over the last decade plus. But I could see Gabe Davis getting a decent contract with the Giants and reuniting with Brian Dable or getting a decent contract from a team like the Chiefs, um, looking for some wide receiver help. And, and him probably wanting to go out there because, you know, it was probably a very frustrating season for him. There would be some weeks where he was the guy in terms of targets and, and you know, six receptions, 100-plus yards, a touchdown. Then you'd go two or three straight weeks, four weeks with maybe zero targets or one target. So it's hard to envision him coming back, but the bills and no one wants to talk mock drafts yet. If they don't draft a wide receiver with one of their first two picks, uh, I think that's just bad roster management because you do need to bring someone in here that you feel like could maybe be the heir apparent for Stefan Diggs and, uh, can build some kind of rapport with Josh Allen where you don't need him to necessarily be this massive presence as a rookie. You still would have digs. You would still have Kincaid Shakir assuming a bigger role, but someone you, you feel like by the end of his rookie year, by the start of year two would, would have a big time uh, role on this team eventually be wide receiver one. It's a, it's a very good wide receiver draft class and, and the bills definitely need to address that. They need to get younger at certain positions they need to get younger at safety. They need to add more talent in the defensive tackle room because, again, of the lack of contracts that are there. You know, There are certain positions, defensive tackle, safety, both come to mind where you can add some veterans on some pretty uh, reasonable contracts, but you, you also have to blend in that youth. And the Bills do seem to be at this point right now where you can't run this back again, at least not with the same core players on both sides of the ball. Some young reinforcements need to come in and and credit to Brandon Bean with the draft classes the last few years. They've had a lot of hits on both sides of the ball. Uh, But he also needs to start hitting in some of those positions, like you said, wide receiver where they haven't necessarily had any hits early on with draft picks. I think Shakir is as great of a hit as you can have on a day three pick. Uh, He needs to have some hits on that defensive line where He's invested in some players that really haven't panned out enough, and you might be losing Epinesa now, and you've already traded away Boogie Basham, and uh, you keep funneling through these guys. Leonard Floyd, you know, is he going to come back at his age at probably looking to get a little bit more money than what he signed for this year, and you're stuck with Von Miller. There's just so many questions to be answered about this team, and, you know, to go back to our original talking point here, you almost need to hit the reset button across the board when it comes to the head coaching conversation everything else but i just don't think they're willing to do that and it's going to put this team in an interesting spot if next year's a fail, failed season again because at that point do you move on from him and and then who are the coaching candidates out there now there's a lot of really big name talent and big name Uh, coaches on the market some really good coordinators available. And every year there'll be a new name or two from the coordinator market, but man, the bills are, seem to be in a tough spot right now, Matt.
1: So I I misspoke. Uh, You said it correctly. They haven't hit on like a first round wide receiver, Mm -hmm. right? Like they haven't really even taken that shot. Um, The first round wide receiver was Diggs when they traded for him. Uh, the Vikings used the Jefferson pick, and I just, I just more mean like, like that franchise wide receiver. Like you look around the league, and like you look at the Baltimore Ravens, right? And you you watch that game against Houston, and maybe it'll look different next week against the Chiefs, and we'll see, we'll watch. But you know, Zay Flowers made an immediate impact for that team in year one, mm-hmm. and there hasn't been that steady force. Now, I will say, Khalil Shakir, when you want to talk about hitting on a draft pick, he has been an absolute home run 100% like he is a focal point of your offense moving past this season. I mean, he is gutty. He's clutch. He was my top observation coming out of this game. I mean, it's not even like the touchdown is like spectacular and that'll run on the highlight reel plays. But the the, the play on the third down when James mm. Cooks drops, drops that touchdown and he they come back to Cook or to Shakir, and he's got to, like, contort his body, get down to the ground, and make that catch. At first, I looked at it live, and I'm like, because it was all the way at the opposite end of the field, I'm like, he didn't catch that. And then you see the replay, and you're like, oh, no way, he did. Then he comes back late in the game on that fourth and three, got to have it, gets a big first down, run after the catch. Like, he is a great player. And when you start throwing in that stat that I, I think I read on the show earlier this week, that he is the number one wide receiver in the entire NFL on percentage of his receptions that go for either first downs or touchdowns home run, absolute home run. So I'm not sitting here and saying Brandon Bean hasn't hit on wide receivers. I think Gabe Davis for a fourth round pick has been a really good career through four seasons. I think he's given you a lot. I know Bill's fans wanted more and you're always going to want more, but now they need to find the next guy to pair with Josh Allen because whether or not Stefan Diggs is back next year, you're going to have to find the next iteration of the guy that could carry this offense because what we learned down the stretch and what we learned in the playoffs the last two weeks Stephon Diggs isn't that guy anymore like it's a trend it's it, it it's a fact it's it's what's transpired whether it be he's still getting open he's getting separation I understand all those things but from a production standpoint you know you needed him tonight and he ended up with a couple catches for 20 yards
0: yeah and you know yes he was open late in the game on on the one attempted pass to Shakir in the end zone I, I understand that but it was too far and in, in between uh, for your number one receiver. Lageria uh, J- Sneed is a great cornerback, but he wasn't always lined up against Sneed. Uh, you saw Khalil Shakir get the first touchdown of the season against Sneed, in fact, uh, which is just a, a testament to the way that cornerback has played. But yeah, it, it certainly seems like Stefan Diggs can still be that 1,000 yard receiver. Uh, he can still make some plays for you in the moment, but, you really need to find someone that can be that next level guy, that guy that Stefan Diggs was when he first came to Buffalo, 1300 yards, 1400 yards, be a difference maker in the passing game, open things up even more for Khalil Shakir and Dalton Kincaid and some of the other playmakers on this offense. And, you know, we saw the run on wide receivers in this year's draft right before the Buffalo took Kincaid and, it's been a mixed bag in terms of how they've how productive they have been but when you do hit on a player like Zay Flowers you feel good about that for the foreseeable future and you look at this draft class and you know the Bills aren't going to be in the position to get Marvin Harrison Jr but the good news for them is there's five, six, maybe seven receivers that you could argue are worth a first round pick and it's all about finding the right skill set finding the right uh player for this system but the bills have the ability to do it this year and they need to go out and make sure they address it in the draft, try to find a free agent that's willing to maybe take a little bit less money uh, to come here to play for a super bowl. I was talking to someone post game. It's like, you know, Derek Henry at the end of the season said he's not done in the NFL by any, by any means, but he's also at that point where he wants to chase a ring more than anything else. He wants to win a super bowl. So he's probably going to take less money in a free agency find the wide receiver equivalent of that in free agency and convince him that he is that missing piece for Buffalo and that you know he is that guy that can get them over the hump because you want to add a free agent, you definitely want to get a first-round wide receiver and just restock that room because this team needs as many weapons as possible to go toe-to-toe with Mahomes in the playoffs, with Joe Burrow and the Bengals, with this Ravens team, uh, with a, an up-and-coming team like the Houston Texans, it's not going to get any easier, and the Bills can't keep wasting these prime years of Josh Allen.
1: Thank you so much for watching. On this uh, now early Monday morning, the Bills eliminated uh, from the playoffs twenty-seven twenty-four 24 loss, uh, three-point loss to the Chiefs at home six weeks or so after uh, handing the Chiefs a three-point loss at their place. Uh, so that's, that's the fact of this thing. These two teams are always going to play like these games. Um, you know, I want to get to the super chat. We've had it up on the screen here for a Mm -hmm. while, Brooke. Uh, this hurts. It hurts a lot. I don't even know what to say, but I'll say this. Thank you guys for all the hard work you guys have done all season. We really appreciate that, Brooke. And we appreciate everybody who's watched this show, who's contributed in the insider chat. You know, it's been the first year for that. And we've, um, uh, kind of taken out for a spin. We're learning We're we're trying to make that the best that it could be and fit it into our coverage. And, you know, all of our insiders watching, we thank you for all the questions that you provided and the insights and, uh, the back and forth. And, um, we wish we could answer every single text all the time. And I know it doesn't always work like that. Uh, we're still trying to figure out the best way, uh, for that moving forward. Uh, but you know, this is going to be an off season. Like, listen, don't jump off the bus yet. I mean, we're here for you guys. Like, I'm going to go back through all as is Ryan through all of the texts and we're going to answer everybody one-on-one and there's going to be a lot to talk about this offseason. It's a, it's a really interesting, albeit sad for Bill's fans offseason because of all the different decisions that need to be made. I mean, all the way up into the combine and you know what this looks like in a couple weeks. For the senior bowl. There's there's so many things and then uh, obviously off to the combine and the draft and free agency, and everything like that. Um, but anyway, thank you for joining the the shout insider text line, which is brought to you by Carrie C. Bayer, attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Litro, located at 237 Main Street, Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give them a call, 716-852-1234, or check out litrolaw.com. Uh, I think we'll wrap there, Ryan. I'll give you the final word. Uh, locker cleanout is tomorrow. Uh, the bills just sent all that out. Now let me get that information to everybody. So, you know, 11 AM, uh, tomorrow. So I think what we'll do is we'll cut it off here. We'll get a chance to, to rewatch the game tomorrow. Um, and then we'll do another podcast tomorrow night. Uh, A little bit of a 24 hours later when we get the chance to really digest this thing, Uh, get a chance to talk to everybody in the building. Uh, Daquan Jones, I will put that out there that he told me in the locker room today. Uh, He would love to be back. Uh, He said right now his focus is on getting with his family and uh, kind of winding down. And he said, he's going to put the the ball in the bills court. Uh, He'd love to be back. He loves what Sean's doing. Uh, He loves the team and that, um, if they call uh, and want to do a re, uh, a new deal, he'll answer the phone.
0: Yeah, you know, final thought for me, Matt, is just that. Daquan Jones, all these other players that are approaching free agency, this is the most difficult offseason that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have faced yet. And falling short again, you know, they really need to I'm not saying go all in for a Super Bowl title this upcoming year, but they have to make some really tough decisions to make sure this team stays healthy in terms of contending for a Super Bowl for the next few years because th- that Von Miller contract has really set them back and put them in a tough spot. Some of these extensions that they've given perhaps a little, you know a year too early in some cases have, have hurt them. And it's hard to criticize the extensions when you have hits like Ed Oliver and you have some other ones here and there, but – They're in a tough spot, and while there's always a way to maneuver around the cap and free things up, you want the Bills to be financially healthy in the next few years when they can get out of some of these tougher contracts that they've backed themselves into a corner with. And it's going to be an interesting one to follow, so stick with us. Like Matt said, we're going to have you covered on the podcast. We're going to have you covered on the Insider Chat um, we'll have you covered from now until, you know, kickoff next season. So stay with us. It's a long off season, but we're here to answer your questions and, uh, be your sounding board. Indeed. Uh, it's been a fun season.
1: Uh, they all are, uh, we love what we do. We love doing the show. This thing has turned into such an awesome community. Uh, and we're appreciative, uh, to all of you until later on today. Uh, take care everybody. Uh, get some sleep. We'll see you tomorrow night and we'll dive back into this. Uh, once again, as we start the off season grind, we go from the season grind to the off season grind for Ryan. I'm a Matt, I'm Matt. We'll see you tomorrow.